Hello, this is Showing All the Way, the podcast ministry of West Stanley Baptist Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Brown. Today we're going to start our new series I've entitled Reformed, Neo-Reformed, or Neither. And the goal of this particular series is based upon 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, this is the Apostle Paul's dying letter. He wrote it to Timothy, and he tells him in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. Now that rightly dividing the word of truth means cutting it straight, knowing the word of God, knowing what it teaches, exactly what's being taught by the word of God. And that is our goal here is that you go to the word of God and you base your convictions and your beliefs upon what the word of God teaches and not on what someone teaches about what the word of God teaches So that's our goal here is to have you study for yourself. And this particular line of of study, reformed, neo-reformed, or neither, is focused on this neo-reformed that I'm seeing recently. Now, neo meaning new, of course, this new reformed theology. It really breaks with the old line reformed theology in several places. And so my contention is that it's really not reformed at all. It's a completely new hybrid of things, but it's not really uh, neo-reformed. It's not really reformed at all. And I would have you study that out before you go claiming yourself as reformed. One of the things that has been a hallmark of the old line reformed movement is this idea of replacement theology. Replacement theology, also known as supersessionism, means that the the promises God gave to Old Testament Israel will be fulfilled in the New Testament church. In other words, those promises that that God gave to the lineage of Abraham would not really be f- fulfilled to the lineage of Abraham, but would in turn be fulfilled in the New Testament church. Now, that is classic of the, the old line reform movement. Many of the reformers believed that. Now, in that particular time, 15, 1600s, they did not believe that the descendants of Abraham were really going to be able to have a land of their own. They would not be able to to have the land of Palestine. They, in other words, they did not believe that God would deliver on those promises to Abraham. And so there was also an anti-Semitism about that time that, that um, they did not Uh, really think favorably upon the Jewish people. So a lot of those things kind of culminated together to bring about some of that reform movement. Now, don't get me wrong. Part of what the reform movement did was attack some of the, the wrong theology of Roman Catholicism. 
and that was absolutely right and true that they that they attacked some of those things that were not biblical at all. But some of the motivating and some of their other tenets was not really motivated by biblical teaching. It was really motivated by something else. Let me give you a couple examples. One of the things we talked about as far as these promises to the nation of Israel um, that the reformers did not believe in is this whole idea of a Palestine being given to the descendants of Abram. Now go with me to in your Bible to Genesis chapter 12, uh, verse uh, 13, or verse 3, I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse 3. And the Bible talks about, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This is the Lord giving a covenant to Abraham or Abram as he's known here. His name would be changed to Abraham, but he's given the solemn agreement. That's what a covenant is, a solemn agreement to Abram that all of the world would be blessed through him. Now that is a reiteration of Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the promise that God had given to Adam and Eve that there would come one who would crush the head of Satan. And so God is telling Abram here in chapter 12 that that promised one where all the world would be blessed would come through Abram's lineage. And so he's saying here is that this one is a Jew come through Abraham. So he's saying that the, the Messiah, that's who is the reference to, the Messiah would be a Jew. And so we see that particular part of the Abrahamic covenant must be fulfilled. You cannot consider yourself even Christian if you do not believe that salvation is through Christ alone. And so if you know the biblical Christ, he is Jewish. And you cannot say that this part of the Abrahamic covenant cannot be true because salvation is, is through the Jews, as John chapter 4 teaches us. But also in Genesis chapter 13, uh, verse 14, we see another key element of this Abrahamic covenant and that is, it says, and the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. God had made a promise here to Abraham that the the place where Abraham was standing and where he would be walking north, south, east, and west, that was going to be given to the descendants of Abraham. And he says in verse 15, to thy seed forever. Now, there is no way that you can get around. That's what it says. It is talking about the land of Palestine. It is talking about the descendants, the seed of Abraham, and they will be given that particular land. Now, in the 15, 1500s, 1600s, they thought that that was just impossible. But we know today, here in 2022, 
that Israel has been given that land. The descendants of Abraham have been given that land. It was given to them in the 1940s after World War II. And so we know that the land was given to them. The old line reformers did not believe that was possible. And so they tried to spiritualize that. And even one of the modern preachers I've heard recently is very popular. He said that really this um, covenant of the land is not really talking about the land of Palestine. It's just talking about how that God's people, God's children would be would be given land. And he even makes reference to how there are more Jewish people in America than there are actually in Palestine. And he even mentions the city of New York and how many Jews are in New York and makes some veiled uh, allegory that that even New York may be considered the promised land. Friend, let me tell you, New York City is, is not the promised land. Here, God is talking to Abram, and he's saying, listen, this land of Palestine is the promised land, and I will give it to you. You cannot, once again, see how that could mean anything than what God is saying. Now we see in 2022 something the reformers of 1500s could not see, and that is that God delivers on his promises. And so we see that God did deliver on this particular facet of the Abrahamic covenant. One of the things that the reformed movement uh, misses, I believe, is this idea that why God offers salvation to the Gentile. And he hasn't replaced the Jewish nation. There is going to be a time when the Jewish nation will turn her eyes back toward God and she will accept the Messiah and he will draw their hearts back to himself. Uh, they, he will implant the law of God upon their hearts. He will write it upon their hearts and not on tables of stone, but on their hearts. And they would be his people. We can see that in different passages of scripture. But one of the things I think the reform group misses is the reason why God offered salvation to the Gentile in the first place. In the book of Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, you can see Paul's writing on this to the church at Rome. And he's writing them. You can look with me over to Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10, Paul gives us some, some idea on this. And this whole discussion here is that uh, Israel needs the gospel. You will remember in Romans chapter 9, that Paul says, listen, if it were possible for him to be sentenced to hell for all of his life so that his nation would come back to God, he would readily do that. So his heartbeat here uh, in Romans chapter 9 and going into Romans chapter 10 is the rescue of the descendants, the seed of Abram or Abraham. And what he says is, here is that they need the gospel. They need to be given the gospel. And so here in Romans chapter 10, it tells us, starting in verse 14, how that the nation have 
rejected the gospel. They have rejected Christ as their Messiah. And it says there, uh, you can look with me in verse uh, 18, it says, but I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Speaking of the Jew, they have heard the gospel. Yes, they have. It says their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of, of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First, Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. Here, Paul is saying to the Roman church that God is going to call a nation of people to make the Jew, the seed of Abraham, jealous. And he doesn't just say that in Romans chapter 10. He also says it in Romans chapter 11. And, and he says in Romans chapter 11, actually verse 11, it says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. Has God completely and permanently turned away from his people? Paul says unequivocally, certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Once again, Paul is telling them the reason that the nation of Israel has turned their back and that God has drawn the Gentiles is to provoke the Jewish nation, the, the descendants of Abram, back to God, seeing that the Gentiles are coming to Christ, that the Gentiles are enjoying the blessings that that were rightly Israel's. He says in the, in the book of Romans how we have been grafted into that root, which is Christ. And so we know that the Gentiles have been offered salvation to make the Jew jealous. Now, where does this come from? Well, it comes back to, to Deuteronomy chapter 32. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, if you have your Bible, go to Deuteronomy chapter 32. You will remember what the book of Deuteronomy is all about. The book of Deuteronomy means second law. Now, it doesn't mean a new set of laws. That's not what it means. When God had brought the Hebrew people out of Egypt, he had promised to take them to a promised land. And when they got to the very door of the promise, promised land, a place called Kadesh Barnea, uh, the people decided, no, we're not going there. We're not, we're not going to do that. We can't trust God. They weren't faithful to, God's not faithful to deliver on his promises. And they rebelled against God. And they said, no, we're not going. And God said, okay, but to the next generation of people, I will give the promised land. And he said, this whole generation will wander through the wilderness for 40 years until they all die off. And then your children will enjoy the blessings of this land. And so the, Deut the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is giving the law again but to this new generation, that new generation of Hebrew. And so that's what it means by second law. He's giving it again to the descendants of the, those who came out of Egypt. And one of the things that he says here in chapter 32, Moses is teaching these new people, it, it, and he's telling them, listen, uh, these, the, the people, let me just read uh, verse um, verse 15, but Jeshurun, and that's another name for Israel, grew fat and kicked 
You grew fat, you grew thick, you are obese. Then he forsook God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. It says here that those people who rejected God there at Kadesh Barnea, they rejected him. They did not believe him. They did not believe the rock of his salvation. They forsook God. They provoked him, meaning God, to jealousy with foreign gods, with, with abominations. They provoked him to anger. God says that they went after foreign gods and they worshiped foreign gods. That's a, a direct reference to that passage of Scripture when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and they had already made a golden calf and began worshiping other gods, which are no gods. And here he says they have rejected God. In verse 17, it says they sacrificed to demons, not to God, to gods they did not know, to new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. Or the rock who, who begot you, you are unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you says they have made God, they have provoked God to jealousy because of their worship of false gods. Now this is Israel provoking God to jealousy. Look with me in verse 19. And when the Lord saw it, that is the worshiping of false gods, he spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and his daughters. And he says uh, right there that he he would provoke them to jealousy. Continue to read along with me here. It says, and he said, I will hide my face from them and I will see what their end will be. For they are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faith. They have provoked me, speaking of God there, to jealousy by what is not God. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols, but, God says, I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move them to anger by a foolish nation. For a fire is kindled in mine anger and shall burn to the lowest hell. It shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. So God is saying right there, one of the reasons why the Jew, the Gentile, was offered salvation is to make the Jewish nation jealous. Now we can see in verse 27 of that same chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 27, that says, Had I not had I not feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should misunderstand, lest they should say, our hand is high, and it is not the Lord who hath done this. He said, it is the height, the height of arrogance to say that God did not provoke them to jealousy and that uh, provoke the Jews to jealousy and that the Gentiles were some great people. And it is the height of that arrogance that to say that God did not do this because God does provoke, God is provoking the Jewish nation to jealousy through the salvation of the Gentiles. Here are a couple of things that I believe the neo-reformed movement, if a, an honest look at the word of God, would break with the classical reformed movement. 
you see that the Messiah must be a Jew. He is the promised one from the lineage of Abraham. You cannot forsake that. You see this land that is given to the descendants of Abraham being the land of Palestine. You cannot, cannot get around that. You see that Gentiles didn't replace Israel. They were given salvation. We are given salvation to provoke Israel to come back to God. And we know that there will come a day when Israel will turn her eye and her heart back to God through Jesus Christ, their Savior. Feel free to share what you've heard with everyone. And as always, may the Lord use this to draw you to himself.